Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. Good morning. It is Monday morning, October the 17th, and this is Blake Wilson, Lifeline's Senior Vice President of Operations. And it's really good to be with you guys again this morning. We're going to continue our study in the book of Genesis, looking at chapter 29 together. <clears throat> We've been through this, obviously, the 28 passages of Scripture um, from the beginning of of creation. Now we are looking specifically at the life of Jacob today. And I, I would say we would probably all agree that at this point we have seen the fall of humanity at its best um, through the book of Genesis. Um, we, we have seen the fall of Adam and Eve. We have seen um, the promise and the covenant of Abraham and Isaac. <clears throat> we have seen um, the ark and um, the fall of all of humanity. I mean, we have seen a lot of things transpire over 28 chapters of Scripture from the creation of the world. Uh, and I think what the common theme and really where I want to spend some of our time today is, is looking at how the Lord continues to use broken people um, and really as part of his, his overall plan. And I think it's so easy for us to look at uh, our own selves introspectively and looking um, looking at the dropped balls that we have, looking at the sin in our lives, looking at really the sin in, in others' lives. You know, we, we know that it's so easy to point out the, the sin in others before we look internally at our own sin. But guys, we are all broken. We are all um, uh, recipients of sin, we we all have <clears throat> the innermost parts of us just um, intertwined with with the sin um, that we know will only be taken away when we are um, in in heaven and and we have a new body and a new creation um, in and through Jesus Christ. But God continues to use us as instruments to forward His gospel. And I just think that thought is something so great to grasp onto that the Lord has used us as instruments to further his gospel. And really this promise and this covenant that we read about in Genesis just a few short chapters ago, the promise and the covenant between God and Abraham continues to be full, a story full of brokenness. But it doesn't stop God's overarching plan. And I think that's where we have to remember even today in 2022, uh, the things that are before us that we don't understand, that we say, how in the world could the Lord use this for good? We have to trust. We have to take a step back. We have to reflect on Scripture because we've seen it time and time again of the goodness of God working through the brokenness of His creation. <clears throat> so we see that again today in Genesis 29. And this is what it says. It's the, the story of Jacob and his, uh, his journey to find a wife um, in his homeland, which he was instructed to do to not take a pagan wife, is what we read in verse, or I'm sorry, in chapter 28. And the Lord's command for him to find um, a wife in chapter 29, who we know 
um, whose name will be Rachel. So it says this, Then Jacob continued on his journey and came to the land of the eastern peoples. There he saw a well in the open country with three flocks of sheep lying near it, and because the flocks were watered from that well, the stone over the mouth of the well was large. When all the flocks were gathered there and the shepherds <clears throat> were there, they would roll the stone away from the well's mouth and the water and to water the sheep. Then they would return the stone to its place over the mouth of the well. So Jacob asked the shepherds, My brothers, where are you from? Well, we're from Haran, they replied. So keep in mind, guys, this, these first four verses, this is before GPS. This is before Jacob could pull his phone out and Google Maps and figure out where he was, how much further he had to go, what his journey was going to be like, the best route to avoid traffic. It was it was before any of these things. So he sees this group of people around this well, and he walks up to them and says, where are you from? You know, and I think it's because he didn't know where he was. He didn't, he didn't know where um, he had traveled. He'd been traveling for a very long time. And they respond, well, we're from Haran. Well, that triggers um, a response in him in verse number five. He says, do you know Laban, Nahor's grandson? Well, yes, we know him, they answered. And Jacob said, well, is he well? He is, they said. And here comes his daughter, Rachel, with the sheep. Look, he said, the son. Okay, so he, he, he sees her coming. But then I think it's important to look in, in the next few verses of really Jacob's default um, kind of dominant attitude. And we we saw this from Jacob's birth. Remember, we saw him grasping his brother's his brother's heel as they were as they were born. Um, we saw him uh, steal his brother's birthright. We see this manipulation through the life of Jacob and what appears to be a very dominant personality and really desire to get what he wants no matter the cost. So he wasn't a bashful guy. But he was excited that he had made it to where his final destination was, um, to the land of his family. So keep in mind, these shepherds are together around this well, waiting for the rest of the flocks to come so they could water these sheep. He just met them, and look, he immediately starts to give them instruction in verse 7. He says, look, he said, the sun is still high. It is not time for the flocks to be gathered. Water the sheep and take them back out to the pasture. So he he came from, remember, his father, Isaac, who we read a few short tap chapters ago, that everything Isaac touched was just blessed. The hand of the Lord was upon Isaac. Everything he had um, physically and monetarily, and just what the Lord continued to bless him. So Jacob comes from a very wealthy family, from a family of status, from a family where um, he was not uh, not a servant. He wasn't often being told what to do. He would tell others what to do. And he just kept this mentality as he entered this new land that begins to give instruction to these shepherds. And they said, we can't, they replied, until all the flocks are gathered and the stone has been rolled away from the mouth of the well. Then we will water the sheep. While he was still talking to them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherd. And then Jacob saw Rachel's Rachel, daughter of his uncle Laban, and Laban's sheep. He went over and rolled away the stone from the mouth of the well and watered his uncle's sheep. Now, I think it's interesting, too, to look in these first eight verses that as he begins to question these men and these shepherds that are sitting around this well of why in the world are you not watering the sheep? And he goes, we, we, we can't. 
we got to wait till the stone has been rolled away and everybody else is here. This was a large stone that was over the mouth of the well that took more than one person to roll away. Well, isn't it funny that Jacob sees Rachel coming down and all of a sudden he he harnesses his inner strength and he is able to roll this stone away from the mouth of the well to water her sheep. I mean, what a great what a great impression, right? I mean, he steps up and shows his strength to this woman who we will soon find out is very beautiful. And he rolls this stone out of the way so that her sheep can be watered. In verse 11, he basically has a meltdown, okay? It says, then Jacob kissed Rachel and began to weep out loud. Guys, I don't know about you, but I don't know that's the best impression, first impression for a woman that you're trying to impress, right? He was off to a phenomenal start. He rolled this massive stone away to show his brute strength to this beautiful woman. And then in verse 11, he lost it all. He began to kiss her and cry. Um, so, you know, put put yourself in Rachel's situation. I don't know what she was thinking, what he was doing, but ultimately she's got this guy who kissed her and now is crying and um, just an emotional wreck. All right. So verse 12 says he told Rachel that he was a relative of her father and the son of Rebecca. So she ran and she told her father. So I would say it's pretty safe that Rachel, pretty safe to say that Rachel knew who he was. She had heard of him um, because he was a, a family member and had heard stories. So she runs to tell her father that Jacob has come to their to their land. So Laban hears about this in verse 13, um, and they run and they greet him, and um, they begin just to simply catch up in the next few verses in 13 and 14. All right, now we move on to kind of phase two of this, this um, scripture in twenty nine, um, chapter 29 of Jacob actually moving forward, asking for Rachel's hand in marriage. And it says this, after Jacob, in verse number 14, after Jacob had stayed with him for a month, Laban said to him, just because you are a relative of mine, should you work for me for nothing? Tell me what your wages are. So he begins just to ask him, like, man, you've been here for a month. Obviously, you're not going anywhere. Um, you can't keep just working for nothing. What can I pay you? What do you want for all of the work that you put in? Now, we know that Jacob had a plan. Jacob went there for a reason, and that was to find a wife. We see that as a command in the chapter before. So he's moving forward um, to find a wife, and he was working very diligently. So um, we see that what's about to happen. So Laban poses a question. Hey, Jacob, what can I, what can I pay you? Now, Laban, in verse 16, had two daughters. The older was named Leah, and the younger was named Rachel. Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I'll work for you for seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, it's better that I give her to you than to some other man. Stay here with me. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. I mean, what a what a prophetic um, plea of his deep and dividing devotion to Rachel, right? They only seemed like a few days because he was so in love with her. He knew what he wanted, and he said that he would work seven years for um, Laban in order to marry 
in order to marry her. Now, I don't want to overlook um, verse 16 where it is mentioned she has an older sister, which will be a crucial part of um, Genesis chapter 29. So he promised seven years of work. And, and this is very common during this, this time that a dowry would be offered as payment for the woman a man was pursuing for marriage. So some form of payment, it would be in work, it would be financial, it could be in livestock, it could be some kind of bartering, but there was some level of payment to a father when a man wanted to marry um, one of his daughters. So Jacob knew that he really wanted to marry Rachel. So this dowry was a very generous offer to work seven plus years for um, her father in order to in order to marry marry her because of these very strict and social guidelines. Um, he had to do this. So he said, I'm not, you know, I'm, I want to make sure I get what I want. I want to work for seven years. So he did work for seven years. And this is what I love about scripture. We're going to go from verse 20 to verse 21. And well, here we are seven years later, right? So chapter um, in verse 20, it only seemed like a few days because he was so deeply in love. And then in, in verse number 21, then Jacob said to Laban seven years later, give me my wife. My time is completed and I want to make love to her. So Laban brought together all the people of the place and gave a feast. But when evening came, he took his Leah daughter and brought her to Jacob. So look at this twist in the story and the deceitfulness of Laban. All right. So we have seen numerous things happen um, as we've read these 21 verses of, of Laban's dishonesty, of, of how he knew um, his, his ultimate plan with his older daughter, Leah. He knew that Jacob had was really going above and beyond with that seven-year commitment to marry the daughter, daughter Rachel. Um, Jacob had to confront him again to say, hey, guys, I've given you seven years. Give me my wife. So he confronted him again in verse 21 to say the time has come. So Laban puts together this party to celebrate um, the, the what should have been the marriage of his younger daughter, Rachel. But he put together a scheme and a plan um, and he gave Jacob his older daughter, Leah, instead of his daughter, Rachel, as promised. And I think it's you say, how in the world would this happen? And I think, you know, the more that you look into the culture during um, during this time is the separation between men and women, um, you know, how women were veiled, how there were different um, rituals and things that would happen leading up to the wedding of how they were separate. Um, so it was definitely um feasible, right, for this to happen. And we know that it did because it's written in scripture. So the wedding night comes and he is given Leah instead of um, instead of his bride-to-be, Rachel. And it says, and Laban gave his servant Zilpah to his daughter as an attendant. So think about all of the emotion, all of the things that are represented in this passage of scripture of um, Laban and his deceitfulness, Jacob and his anger. Um, Ra- I mean, think about Rachel and Leah. I mean, think about how 
the relationship between those two sisters has just been broken of what Rachel thought was going to be her and her husband. And then her, her father um, forced Leah into a situation in a relationship where she would um, steal her, her sister's um, fiance. I mean, it is just super twisted, super broken, conniving, um, deceitful. It is, it is just a very, very ugly situation of, of, uh, just sin. And it says in verse 25, morning came and there was Leah. So Jacob said to Laban, what is this that you've done to me? I served you. I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? Laban replied, it is not our custom here to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. Finish this daughter's bridal week, and then we will give you the younger one also in return for another seven years of work. So Laban ultimately says, you know what? I didn't tell you this, but where we are, we cannot let the younger sister get married before the older. So you have to marry the older sister before you can have the younger sister. And in, and in addition, you got to work another you have to work another seven years. So t- talk about a twisted culture and a twisted turn of events that have just happened that now he has two wives and another seven years of work. So he finishes this week of celebrate quote celebration, right? He has been deceived and he's angry, but he says, no, I want you to finish. Put on the, put on the face, put on the mask and pretend and celebrate this, this Leah's um, wedding week. Do this for her. And then after this is over, I'm going to give you Rachel. And then you got to commit to stay here and work in a, uh, another seven years. So Laban had a, had a plot. He had a, um, he had a plan of, of kind of deceiving Jacob from the very beginning. I find it interesting in this passage of scripture that the word we is used. He says in the latter part of 27, then we will give you the younger one also, speaking of the community and the culture that he knew the whole time, the the structure of the older getting married before the younger. He says, then we will give you the younger. Um, you know, and I think it's safe to say that that, that was never um, directly communicated to Jacob. So it says in verse 28, and Jacob did so. He finished the week with Leah. Man, can you imagine? He followed through with this, celebrating um, Leah, even though this wasn't the wife that he desired. He finished the week. Then Laban gave his daughter Rachel shortly after this to his wife to be his wife. All right, seven days later, <laughs> and then in twenty nine, Laban gave his servant Bilpah to his daughter Rachel as her attendant. Jacob made love to Rachel also, and his love for Rachel was greater than his love for Leah. And he worked for Laban another seven years. Guys, this is just a story of deceit, a story of manipulation. But yet, think about God's promise from the beginning. God promised to use the descendants of Abraham to multiply and fill the earth. And he did that. He kept his promise and he continued to um, multiply the earth, to, to, keep, um, to keep his descendants um, 
in line with what he promised Abraham, who was Jacob's grandfather. So a story of brokenness, a story of hurt, but yet a narrative of the the Lord weaving together um, his promises and his covenant. And I think we have a have a few points of application today that I want to talk through before we close out. The first one is what I started off with. God uses broken people. God uses us and our humanity and our sin-ridden minds and bodies to fulfill his plan. He uses us in spite of that. Um, and I just think that's very evident in what we have just read with Jacob and with Laban. So the thing is, God is in control. Um, you know, God led get led Jacob to Rachel. You know, the timing of where he he met the shepherds at the at the well um, when they said, "Hey, we're you know you're in Haran, you made it, we're here." Um, then all of a sudden, Rachel comes down right to water her father's sheep. Guys, the Lord is in control of all things, um, and I think that's easy for us to lose sight of in our own personal walks with with our Father. Is when it seems that we're alone, or we seem seems that we don't have a grasp on what's happening around us. He is in control. We don't understand it. We may not see it in our lifetime, but the Lord is in control. And then thirdly, God takes um, time to shape his people. He takes time to shape his people. You know, when you look back at chapter 27 of Genesis, you know, Jacob's parting words to his mom uh, were, I will be gone for a few days. I'll be gone for a few days. And at the end of it, he was gone for 20 years. 14 of those he served um, and worked for his uh, his wife, Rachel. So it takes time. And I can't help but say during that season of Jacob's life that he wasn't being shaped, that he wasn't being softened, that maybe his arrogance um, wasn't being, being softened a bit to become the man that God wanted him to be. So... Timing's out of our control, but we have to trust God in the timing and that he's using that timing to shape us as his followers. We'll continue to read um, in Genesis chapter 30 next week, but really looking more at um, the descendants of Leah. Um, he will have children with Leah. He'll have children with Rachel, and we will we'll see that lineage. We'll see how the Lord um, answers uh, prayers of Rachel um, for a child. And we'll see, again, the Lord's promise of that covenant he made with Abraham um, continue to hold fast and continue to hold true as um, things continue to progress in Genesis chapter 30. So today we're going to close out our time um, in prayer. We're going to be praying specifically for the country of Brazil, um, praying for the, the local churches there. Um, our relationship there in the country of of Brazil. We're also going to be praying for the families that are in process that the Lord will just give them encouragement. I mean, these these adoption processes um, can be long, and we we currently have a um, a few families in process in the country of Brazil. So just pray that they will be encouraged. Um, pray for these children that are in the country, as well as our team here on the ground who are leading the efforts for our Brazil program. So let's close our time out today in prayer. Father, we're grateful for Lifeline. We are grateful for the ministry that you've given us a chance to just participate in and an opportunity to see your hand at work day in and day out. And God, today, as we start our week, we just want to say thank you for the country of Brazil. Thank you for um, the partnerships that you have given us 
the chance to um, participate in. Lord, we pray that you use Lifeline just to encourage the local church there. Lord, our heart is to see the gospel multiplied. And Lord, you've given us a platform of, of doing so through partnering with churches there in the country of Brazil. So we pray for those pastors. Lord, give them encouragement. Give them wisdom. Lord, we pray that this local church will be able to rise up and, and share the gospel and minister to those vulnerable families in their community through adoption and foster care. Um, they're locally. God, we pray for these families that are trying to adopt internationally. Um, Lord, just encourage them. Lord, we pray that you provide um, provide for them in this season as they wait um, in this process. Um, many of them having an elongated wait or maybe waiting for a match. And we just pray that you keep them encouraged. And God, um, we also just lastly pray for those political leaders um, there. So just to have a favorable view on adoption, on uh, partnering with Lifeline to where our our efforts can be multiplied to keep our team encouraged um, for our team here on, on the state side, also our team there in Brazil. We just pray that you give them opportunities to invest in these families and these church partnerships and with these government organizations as we serve the children and families in Brazil. Father, we love you and we thank you for this time. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study.